Hello, Crossroads and guests. This is Pastor Lee. We're so glad that you've tuned in to our podcast today. I want to let you know about our website, wherelifechanges.com. There you can find more about church events, ministries, and giving options. Check out my blog at pastorlee.org, and you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at crcc underscore social. Find us at Facebook at facebook.com forward slash wherelifechanges. We really hope the message today inspires and encourages you to worship passionately, serve others, and share truth. Now let's jump into the message. For for our ushers, we're going to have our offering at the end. Um, I'm more concerned. I want to make sure that we feed you spiritually than than, uh, offering, even though your offering is part of your, your spiritual worship. So we'll have that at the end. But I want to go ahead and get into the message this morning. And if you want to turn in your Bibles uh, to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. And today I'm finishing up this uh, series on my imperfect life. Everybody say grace. No, everybody say grace. Grace is the most amazing thing. That's why they sing that song, Amazing Grace. I won't sing it to you because I will have grace on you. Um, But grace is God saying that I love you like you are. And even if you don't do everything right, even if you don't do everything perfect, I'm still going to be there for you. I'm still going to be there with you. You don't have to be the perfect wife. You don't have to be the perfect husband. You don't have to be the perfect anything. Grace is God saying, if you'll just come to me, then I will help you be what I've called you to be. Amen? And without that grace, that grace is power. Without that grace, then we have to live with everything that we have done and accept responsibility for everything that we have done, everything that we say. And the Bible says that that when the end comes and we stand in judgment, he says, you will have to answer for every careless word you've ever spoken. Now, when I read that passage, I don't know about y'all, but that scares me to death because I have said some things that I shouldn't have said. Anybody anybody else? All right, about about 10 of us that are being honest. Uh, (laughs) But it also says that the judge, the father, has put all judgment into the hands of his son, Jesus Christ. And he judges us with mercy. And he judges us with grace. And so we have this dichotomy where the Lord Jesus Christ is calling us to perfection. Remember, he said, be perfect, therefore, as as the Heavenly Father is perfect. And yet, even as he calls us into perfection, he still deals with us in grace. And so we have this thing where he's saying, I want you to increase in your goodness and increase in your faith and increase in your morality and increase in your ethics and increase in your obedience to the word of God. But when you fail, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so when you fail, we don't have to worry that God is going to come down on us, that he's going to disown us, that he's going to throw us out, that he's going to be done with us forever. But instead, we have a gracious, compassionate high priest who says, I understand how hard it is to live in this world and still live holy. The Bible says that he was tempted in every way. 
and yet was without sin. And so the temptations that we face and that we fall into, Christ is familiar with the temptation. He never failed, but he understands what it is to be tempted. He understands the pressures of life. He understands. I, when, I, when I read the, the, the time when Jesus is speaking in a house and it says that his mom and his brother show up and they tell people, say, we, we want to see Jesus. Y'all remember that? And, and Jesus said, who's my mama? Who is my brothers and sisters, right? And he didn't see his mama. Now, I can tell you, if my mama came all the way down to San Antonio and wanted to see me, and I said, sorry, mama, I'm too busy. Lord have mercy, she'd want me even now. He understands the pressures of life. He understands the pressures of relationship, and there is grace. If you don't get anything out of these these four weeks of, of teaching Understand that you live under grace. Not the law, where you have to be perfect, but under grace. He's calling you into perfection in the spirit of grace. Amen? And so I'm going to finish this today. Genesis, I know I told you to turn to to 1 Peter, but just real quickly, I want to read this other passage. Genesis chapter 3. To give you some context, Adam and Eve have been in the garden. Uh, the serpent came in the garden. He de- deceived Eve, and, and Eve ate the fruit. And then Eve gave Adam the fruit, and Adam ate the fruit. And, uh, and then God comes walking in the cool of the garden, and uh, he says, Adam, where are you? And he said, well, we're hiding because we're naked. He says, how'd you know you were naked? Did you eat the fruit? And, uh, and, and they begin to blame each other. And Eve says, well, he did it. And Adam said, well, she did it. And the serpent did it. Everybody else gets blamed. And then God begins to hand out the, the discipline. And so I want to show you the discipline to Eve. All right? Not picking on women today. <clears throat> Aren't you glad? <laughs> that was like a low murmur. I don't even know what it means. I'm a man, and I don't understand women. Okay? I don't know what that means. Anyway, Lord, help us. Genesis 3, verse 16. To the woman, God said... I will make your pains and childbearing very severe. Can I get an amen? That's like the best amen of the day right there. That was, that was good. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Get another amen? Okay. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Can I get an amen? There was like men in that one. And like, that's right, brother, preach it. <laughs> he said, your, your desire will be for your husband. And I was, I was kind of meditating on that and thinking, why did God have to make Eve have a desire for her husband? Maybe he was balding. Maybe he wasn't a good communicator. Maybe, maybe she's upset because he should have said something before he, he, she ate the fruit. I, I, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing because you would think with her husband and wife, they've been living together in the garden, they got a relationship, and, and, and they've been working the garden, and, talk, and who else did they talk to? It was them and God. So, I mean, at some point, you got to have some communication. And, and, but here, whenever the sin comes in, sin changes things. And so now, in order to maintain the family, maintain the, 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 the body of Christ between the husband and wife, God has to intervene and says, I'm going to place inside of you a desire for your husband. 
Because if I don't give you a desire for your husband, you're not going to like him very long. People wanted to say amen right there. I know you did. I know you. It's okay. It's all right. We're being honest here today. We're being honest here today. God had to put a desire in Eve in order to maintain the communion that she had with her husband. Why? Because sin produces selfishness. And when you sin, or when Adam sinned, then sin entered into all the world. So now we are all selfish, which means that we love the best that we can, but we love it in the context of a sinful nature that is all about me. And it's what I want. Amen? How many of y'all are selfish? Let me just stop and do a lesson on honesty real quick. Let me just... Here, here, how, how many of y'all ever get in a fight with anybody? Anyone? Come on, be honest. You know what the Bible says? You quarrel with people because you don't get what you want because you're being selfish. Oh, man, just stab you in the back right there. Didn't I? And so we're all selfish. That's what we do. That's what we are. And so whenever sin entered into the world, God said, if I just leave them like this, there's going to be so much selfishness on his part and so much on her part that they may not make it last. And so I've got to intervene. So he puts a desire in Eve for Adam because Adam may have already messed it up and Eve may have stayed angry. They may have just gone all over. The, and this is Adam and Eve. This is the beginning of creation. He's got to keep them together. They got to stay together. And so how does he do it? He says, Eve, you will now have a desire for your husband whether you like it or not. Amen? Because let's be honest, men and women are not together because we get along with one another. Amen? This side got it. Y'all didn't get it. We don't get along with one another. We don't understand each other. There, there have been so many times when in my life and, and my wife has a reaction and, and I'm trying to figure out what does that mean? There have been times that she has told me exactly what it means, and I'm still thinking, I don't understand. We don't get it. We drive each other crazy. Amen? Amen? I'll be honest. I know you're sitting with your wife and you don't want to get in trouble, but it's true. We drive each other crazy. We drive each other bonkers. We, we say things, we do things, we get selfish, all that kind of stuff all the time. And it's not just your spouse, it's, it's the opposite sex. Women, somehow, when they want to go to the restroom, they all go together. Why do they all go together? We don't know. We have no idea. We're thinking, what are they doing? They're, they're, it's a conspiracy against men. They're planning on how to confuse us. I don't know what's going on. We, we don't get along. It's a struggle. And, and so God has said, I will put a desire in the woman for the man. Men, some of you here today are only still married because God intervened for you. Praise the Lord. Amen. And so God says, I am the husband and you are the bride. And so just as God put a desire in Eve for Adam, God has put a desire in man and humanity for God. Because unless he puts a desire in me for himself, then the selfishness in me and the sin in me desires everything but God. And so I have to have God intervene in my spirit. So I have been designed as a human being with a desire, a heavenly divine desire put inside of me that causes me to crave after God. Are y'all with me? 
It causes me to crave after God. Let me, let me read this, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. It says, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Everybody say godly life. Everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, his glory and goodness, he has given us his very great and precious promises. Everybody say promises. So that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Now, there's a lot in that passage. Let's unpack it a little bit. The corruption of the world, that is a sin entering into the world. So because sin entered into the world, now I have evil desires. I got evil desires. What makes them evil? What, what makes my desires evil? What, what, what is it that, that, is, that is there? He, he says, we have everything we need for a godly life. I want to I propose to you that every single human being ever born or ever will be born has a desire for a godly life. How many of y'all agree with that? Every single human, your Uncle Joe that's drunk all the time and Aunt B that, well, Aunt B, now I'm thinking of, you know, leave it to be or... Anyway, my mind went back. <laughs> Not everybody wants a God alive. A lot of people don't like God. A lot of people don't believe in God. But remember, he put a desire in us for himself. So I, I want to propose to you today that everybody wants to be loved. Why? Because that's how God designed us. But who is love? Is it not God himself? And so everybody who craves love is really craving God. They just don't know it. Everybody wants peace. Nobody enjoys fighting. Well, maybe some people. Uh, everybody wants peace. Nobody enjoys being mad. Nobody enjoys yelling and screaming. Nobody's happy. When somebody cuts you off, nobody's glad that they cut you. We, we want peace. Well, where does peace come from? He is the author of peace. He is the prince of peace. And so everybody that wants peace wants God, even if they don't know it's God. Are y'all with me? Prosperity. Everybody wants to prosper. Everybody wants to do good. Everybody wants to succeed. Everybody wants things to be better. Amen? But who is it that prospers? The Old Testament says that God has given us the ability to produce wealth in order to confirm his covenant with us. And so the fact that I can get up in the morning and breathe and walk around and go to work and make some money and take care of my family and help people, the fact that I can do all that is because God has prospered me. There is no prosperity without God. Everybody who wants prosperity wants God. They just don't know it. These desires, pleasure, the whole world seeking after pleasure. God wants you to have pleasure. You want to know how I know? Go ahead and ask me. How do you know? Two words. Blue bell. You hear what I'm saying? Blue bell. God has made food. He's put all these little taste buds all over your tongue. God has made sex. God has made touch. God made a shoulder rub. God made a foot massage. He's got all these little nerves. If you go and study, all your nerves are down in your feet. You rub somebody's feet, it, it, it affects their whole body. Pleasure. God is not against pleasure. He's not anti-pleasure. 
And now a whole world is seeking after pleasure. Everybody wants pleasure. They want to feel good. They want peace. They want to be loved. They want to be accepted. All of these things are centered in and authored by Christ. And so everybody that wants them wants a godly life. They just don't know that it's a godly life. They don't understand that's the only place that it comes from. And so the, the Bible here is saying that the corruption of the world, the sin, causes us to have evil desires. I want to suggest to you today that what makes my desire evil is me trying to get what only God can give somewhere else. Does that make sense? Think about it. We, 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 we want all these things. We want love. We want acceptance. We don't want strife. We don't want discord. We don't want poverty. We don't want problems. We don't want drama. Who is it that calms the storms? Is it not Christ? A godly life can only come when we're in communion with God. So a godly life, I can't have all of this stuff unless my life is wrapped up in who God is. The word communion means to to have fellowship or to be partakers, to share. In other words, if I'm going to have a godly life, then I'm going to share myself with God, and he shares himself with me. He gives me all that he is, and I give back to him. And and he's always given me all that he is, but the more I can learn how to give back to him, the more fellowship I have, the more communion I have. And when I'm in communion with him, since he is the author of everything good, the more he has centered in my life, the more I experience everything good. Amen? Are y'all awake? And so all that we crave is found in the presence of God, and it's through communion. When I have communion with God, when my spirit is intertwined in his spirit, when I speak to him and I listen to him and my soul is all wrapped up in who he is and I walk by faith and the promises of God, when I am all wrapped up in him and he's all wrapped up in me, there is a godly life that is good, a godly life that is prosperous, a godly life that is peaceful, a godly life that has power, that has, that has mercy, that has love, that changes everything. Every, everything that we want is wrapped up in the presence of God. And the issue is, am I in communion with him or am I out? If I'm in communion with him, then I am centered around and attached to the source of everything that I crave as a human being because he's put it into me. The godly life and the abundant life that Christ talks about, the same thing. You want to have an abundant life? You want everything to be good? You want everything to, to be right? It doesn't mean you won't have problems, but do you want to have power to overcome the problems and power to keep moving forward, power to have joy? Talking with somebody this morning, they said, I've learned an important lesson. It's the difference between being happy and having joy because joy is always there. Amen. Joy is always there because no matter what's going on, it may make me sad in the moment. I still know that my God is on the throne and he is able to take care of me no matter what you do, no matter what anybody else does. Amen? And so I can have joy in that. And and so if if I'm going to have the abundant life that God has for me, I have to understand the godly life and the abundant life are all wrapped up together. Everybody with me? Now stay with me. I'm, I'm going somewhere. I promise you. I promise you. Now, God wants communion. We know this from our desires, right? Look how, look, how, look how hard the world runs after love. Because, you know, used to you, you would meet somebody and fall in love. Well, now we want love so much, we don't want to wait, wait until we can meet somebody. So we got an app for that. 
So now you got farmers.com and rich people matchup.com and and find somebody cute.com. And we have all that stuff everywhere. <laughs> and I have to assume all these people are making gazillions of money because they keep doing that. Why? Because everybody wants love. You look at pleasure, the whole world's addicted to something. Sex, drugs, alcohol. The big thing in our country right now is uh, the opioid epidemic. Everybody's addicted to why? Because they want pleasure. The, the fact that, that society wants this stuff so bad proves that we crave what only God can give. Because everybody, no matter what the sinful action is, underneath it all, they are trying to find what only God can provide. Y'all with me this morning? It's not a rah-rah message, but I'm trying to teach you something here. This desire was put in us by God because he wants communion with us. Amen? Now, I want you to think about this. The imperfections, this is what we've been talking about. The imperfections in your life, the sin in your life, the insecurity, the fear, losing your temper, being judgmental, being jealous, being envious, all of these things are caused by trying to satisfy this God-given desire without communion with God. We got to be in communion. The more in communion I am, the more I receive. Are you with me? The Bible says that, that God has already blessed us with every spiritual blessing. It's not like God is saying, well, I'm just going to hold back some happiness because I just want to make them suffer a little bit. It's not like he's saying, well, I just want to hold back a good marriage because I really want to see them squirm. Well, no, God says, I've already blessed you. Everything you need to be joyful, everything you need for a good marriage, everything you need to be a good parent, everything you need to overcome every single thing in this life. He said, I've already given it. It's already there. It's already been laid out. It's been poured out. It's all over the place. The problem is we don't pick it up. We don't pick it up. God says you need wisdom, ask for it. We don't ask for wisdom, we complain. Lord, give me wisdom on how to be a better spouse. No, Lord, fix her today, please. Lord, give me wisdom to be a better parent. Heavenly Father, you gave me these kids, and you better get them out before I take them out. I'll tell you that. He, he, he's already poured. Imagine just being in an ocean of water and saying, I'm not taking a drink. I refuse. That's the issue. That's the issue. We seek the things of God from every person, place, or thing but God. We seek after companionship from people. Now, God intends for you to be in community with one another, but there ain't nobody here that's God. And so everybody here is going to let you down at some point. And if your need for companionship is wrapped up in a person, then you're going to have some lonely days. If your need for compassion is wrapped up in God Almighty, he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen? Intimacy. We talked about how the whole world is, is seeking after these romance and, and, and all this kind of stuff. But what God said, he says, I want the deepest part of me to connect with the deepest part of you. He's, he's calling us to intimacy. Amen? 
love, acceptance, fulfillment, significance, joy, prosperity. Let me get you to look in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Galatians 5, 19. It says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. And, and, and here in the NIV, it's broken it down into different uh, sections. So I'm going to go one section at a time. The acts of the flesh, or we're talking about sin. Sexual immorality. Now, sometimes sexual immorality is a choice. Sometimes it comes out of our iniquity because we feel like the only way we have value is through our sexuality, and so we offer it up easier and quicker. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. This is a, a seeking after intimacy. If I'm not finding intimacy in God, then I begin to look for intimacy in people. And when I begin to look for intimacy in people, I don't do it God's way. And when I don't do it God's way, then I'm outside of communion. When I'm outside of communion, I don't have a godly life. And then when I don't have a godly life, I don't have an abundant life. Y'all with me? Let me keep going. And then it says, I, uh, idolatry and witchcraft. We have been designed by God to want to connect with a spiritual realm. That's why the horoscopes are so big. That's why even just luck, that's good luck. Pick a penny up, good luck. There's no such thing as luck. You got, you got God working, you got the enemy working, and we're in the middle trying to figure it all out. There's not some force up there. You know, it's not Star Wars, no force shall be with you. There's no force. I've been behind the curtain. Star Wars, you know, Darth Vader is a little bitty dude. He can't do nothing. Like the Wizard of Oz. That's why there, there's so many mediums, so many spiritists, so many fortune tellers, so many palm readers, so many people doing tarot cards because we have a desire. But if you're trying to connect with the spiritual realm outside of God, you're connecting with demons. You hear me? You're connecting with demons. And if you're connecting with demons, you're not going to have a godly life or an abundant life at all. Amen? Let me keep going. It says hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, faction, and envy. These, these are your relationships. Why do we fight? Because we're not getting what we want. Because I want for you to value me. I want you to think I'm better than I am. I want something from you. These are all about my relationships and finding significance, finding fulfillment, finding security in people. And if I'm looking for, you know, I'm trying to think of somebody great. I can't even think of anybody great. Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. The world would say Steve Jobs was great. Made the iPhone, right? Made the iPhone. How many of y'all have iPhones? I'm an Android guy myself. I don't know what was just said, but God help them. Lord, forgive them for what they know not what they do. In 20 years, will we remember him? In 50 years, will we remember him? The great men of the past from the 50s the 60s, we don't remember them anymore. Unless we go to a history class and somebody tells us, even Solomon, he says, you know, even if you amass all this wealth, when you die, somebody else gets it and loses it anyway. If you're, if you're searching for meaning and fulfillment in, in something earthly, even if you get it, it's temporary. It's temporary. One of my favorite presidents is Ronald Reagan. Great man, in, in my opinion. But in the end, he had Alzheimer's. 
couldn't remember who his wife was. That's the plight of humanity. And if we look for significance in anything earthly, it's going to fall flat. Amen? Let me keep going there at the end. It says drunkenness, orgies, and the like. This is pleasure. If you're looking for pleasure anywhere outside of God, it's going to fall flat. It's going to be disappointing. <laughs> we, we could almost say all of the ills in our society are, are based on these things, and it's everybody looking for the things of God without actually wanting to go to God. Is everybody saying, well, I, I want this, and I want this, and, I, and God is saying, I want to give it to you. Let me give it to you. I poured it out already. It's already been done. When he died on the cross, I let everything out. I cut the curtain in two, and I released all that I am to everybody who would receive. And when the society doesn't take it, this is what we have left. Broken relationships. Horrors in this life. Now, the Bible there says, it says, through his promises. Everybody say promises. Through his promises, we can escape our imperfections. So understand what I'm saying. The reason that I have imperfections is because I'm trying to satisfy my God-given desires with something other than God. And because I'm doing that, it produces in me sin. And it produces in me fear. And it produces in me arrogance. And it produces in me insecurities. It produces all this stuff in me because I'm trying to get it. Now, I'm not saying I'm not a Christian. I'm not saying that, that, that this only happens to people that don't believe. I'm saying as believers, we still seek after the things of God in places other than God. And because we do, we have issues in our life. Because I'm out of communion, because if I'm in, the more I'm in communion with him, the more that I have patience, the more I have kindness, the better I treat my wife, the better I treat my kids. All the ills of life could be solved if everybody had communion with the Lord. Where he's receiving, he's given to me all that he is, and I'm giving myself back to honor him. Let me give you an example of promises. Now, the promises of God are covenants. Everybody say covenant. A covenant is a two-way promise. A covenant is, if you do this, then I'll do that. If you do this, then I'll do that. It's an if-then. God's promises are covenants. He says, if you do this, then I will do that. Let me give you an example. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. It says, if my people, what's the first word? If. If my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and, for, and heal their land. The promise is still true. If my people, Christians, people that take my name, if my people will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, I'll heal their land. We do so much complaining about uh, our society and say, well, the whole nation's going to pot. Literally, in some places, going to pot. And we complain. We shouldn't be complaining. We should be praying. We shouldn't be judging everybody and say, well, look, they do this and they do that. We should say, Lord, what sin is in my life and help me get it out. Because the promise is, if I do this, if the people of God do this, then God will do that. That's communion. He gives to me, and I give back to him. And he gives to me, and I give back to him. Amen? 
All of our disillusionment with God comes from an expectation that he's going to do something for nothing. Lord, fix my marriage. But I don't go to church. I don't read the Bible. I don't pray. I don't worship. I don't do that. Heavenly Father, get me a job. But I don't help people in need. I don't give to the church. I mismanage my money. I got more debt. Heavenly Father, heal my body. But I still want that quarter pounder. And I still want that gallon of bluebell. It just got personal to me right now. This guy is so, And so what happens when we get in communion with God? You see, here's the thing. God has said, I want to give you all of this. I want to give you. Do you believe that this morning, that God wants to give you all that he has? But the things that he has are so wonderful that we are tempted to run after them and forget about him. And so he has said, in order for you to get them, it has to work within my promises. If you do this, then I will do that. If you do this, then I will do that. How many times have we been depressed? Lord, take this depression away. And the Lord says, I've already given you what you need to take it away. What? Think on these things. Think on things that are pure and lovely and righteous and holy and excellent and praiseworthy. Amen? Now, that may not take it away forever, but when you begin to get your mind straight, it, it's hard to be depressed when you're thinking about the good things of God. And little by little, God says, perfect love drives out fear. The more I'm receiving his perfect love, the more it's driving everything else out. Amen? He, he, we, we pray for, Lord, save my marriage. Save my relationship. It's already been saved. I've already given you all the patience you need, all the peace that you need, all the kindness that you need. I've given you all the wisdom you need. Yeah, but I don't want to be nice whenever she's not nice. And, and you know, she did that thing, and I can't forgive her. And, you know, and he did that, and you know what that did. Uh. He says, if you want the goodness of God, it's only through the promises. And the promises are if, then. If you do this, then I will do that. Amen? And we have to be in communion. The promises of God are designed to protect the communion. He says, before I give you these things, come to me. Before I heal you, come to me. Before I fix your relationships, come to me. Before I, I, I save your finances, come to me. And as we come to him, remember what Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, for my burden is light and my yoke is easy. Amen? I'm going to ask the musicians to come up. I'm gonna, I want this to be personal today as we finish here. The imperfections in our life reveal to us where we are trying to satisfy the cravings of God outside the promises. Let me say that again. The imperfections in our life, the places where we are operating in a way that God doesn't want us to, whether that is purposeful sin, where I'm doing it on purpose, or I'm just 
insecurity and fear and things that I don't choose, but they're not godly. The imperfections and sin in our life paint a picture of the craving that I'm seeking after outside of his promises. Are y'all with me this morning? Does that make sense? I'm I'm trying to, to illustrate it, but every person is unique, and everybody has different things. I can't go through everything. But if you look at it, you see, if you have a spirit of fear and you're constantly worried and stressed and anxious, it could be a million different things, but let me just give you an idea. It could be that you're stressed and anxious and all those things because you, you are so afraid of failure because you don't want someone to think less of you. And so you are trying to satisfy your craving for love and acceptance from your boss or your spouse. When in reality, God says, I've already accepted you just as you are. Let me tell you, it's a whole lot easier to please God than it is to please man. Amen? So I I want you to bow your head with me for a minute and, and just meditate with the Lord here for a minute. What imperfections and sin in your life just just get them in your mind where do you struggle is it pleasure is it acceptance is it spirituality intimacy where do you struggle When you identify that, you have now identified the place where you are not in communion with God because you're not going through his promises. Holy Spirit, teach us right now. Teach us right now. Tell us your truth. Remind us of your truth. Lord, I don't have time to go through every promise, but you speak into every heart right now the promises the covenant that is being ignored that is causing these imperfections and sin. Now once you have that in your mind, I want to challenge you to get back in communion with the Lord. And let the Lord empty those things out of you. How do you do that? You confess. Say, Heavenly Father, here's where I struggle. Here's where I'm imperfect. This is the thing that makes me fearful. This is the stress that I have. This is the anxiety I have. This is the lust I have. This is the anger I have. Here it is, Lord. This is it. I confess it to you as ungodly. When we confess, the Lord takes those things, puts it on the back of Jesus Christ symbolically, and kills it. That's what we talked about last week. He kills it. So now I'm in right relationship with him again. So in a minute, as the music plays for just a minute, I'm going to ask our pastors to come down. Pastor Jamie and Pastor Thomas, come up here. And, and I'm going to ask you to stand. And then just right where you're at, you don't have to say it out loud. 
would confess your sin and your imperfection. Confess it to him. Don't be prideful and, and, and say, well, I don't want to say anything. Confess it to him. Get it out of you. Empty it out of you. Let him empty it out of you. That's how he empties you out of that stuff. You confess it. When you confess it, he says, I'm going to take it away now. I'm going to give it to Jesus. I'm going to kill it on the cross. And then if you, if you want somebody to pray with you, I want you to come up to, to these men. then after that we're going to take communion together symbolically getting in right relationship with him so let's stand up real quick heavenly father jesus lord we bind the spirit of religion right now we bind the the spirit of religion we bind the spirit of religion we are not here on a timetable. We are here for transformation. Lord, you are calling us into relationship. You're calling us into communion. Empty out everything in us that is keeping us from that. Hey, I just want to say thank you for your time and listening today. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and share us with your friends. Also, remember to follow us on social media. If you ever find yourself in the area, we would love to see you on a Sunday morning at 1040 a.m. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.